A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to another edition of the Warrior U Podcast with your hosts, Bram Conley, Reese Dewar, and Coach Louise Benoit. These podcasts seek to provide you with ongoing motivation towards your goals. We will explore topics around nutrition, physical preparation, and motivation, as well as discussing what to expect from life in the military. For more information on today's podcast, be sure to visit the show notes, and don't forget the Mentors for Military podcast, too. Drop in and have a listen. During this podcast, I had the opportunity to talk to James Millis, an ex-Special Forces medic from the Medical Corps. He was very candid about combat and his battle with PTSD, and in particular how surfing has helped him recover. Now, it got me to thinking during the podcast and after it as well. As a commander in Special Forces, I took great pains to battle inoculate my own men. But I feel a sense of responsibility and perhaps I let the side down as well by not focusing as much on the support staff as I perhaps could have. I think it's very important that we seek out the sort of conditioning that's required in combat and we also ensure that we ask for help if we're having any problems from the effects of things that we've seen. I don't want to scare everyone off just because you go to combat doesn't necessarily mean you'll come back with PTSD. But it is critical that commanders understand how to, first of all, try and inoculate their people from having it, and secondly, from identifying it in their men and women when they come back. So what made you join the army? Uh, I've always wanted to join the army. Always. What, you just knew? I think so. I was a child, yeah, so through scouts and then army cadets at school. It wasn't... A defining moment. The closest thing I can get to a defining moment, I remember it turned out to be three hour blokes, but I remember being in Canberra with my dad. Well, we, no, we're going fishing, trout fishing. And I saw a bunch of guys getting ready for obviously a ceremonial uh, activity in Canberra. Well, there's a reason to join the army. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they just look like they're having fun. Mm. I, I, you know, obviously, they were, in hindsight, they were obviously. Away from regiment life for a little bit. They'll probably get in some incidentals and they look happy and they look like they're having a good time. You'd be surprised how many guys I talk to that go, I just knew. Yeah. I guess if you know, you know. In high school, you know, for, for people listening, if you're, if you're going through high school or cadets and you just know you're going to join, then then that's obviously you've got a dream to join, then you've got to chase that. So, yeah. And so what you joined, what year did you join? Initially, 92 while I was at school. So after that, I joined a reserve unit because I wanted to complete uni. And then so I joined a reserve unit. And then after that, pushed through to 96. So I got some medical problems they picked up, which is funny. And then I joined in 96. So 1996 and then reserve prior to that. And did you go into medical corps in 96 or where did you go? Yeah, that was back in the day when they assigned you a corps. Yeah. And medical corps was the, was the corps. Awesome. So you went through Kapuka and at the end of Kapuka they said, oh, you can go medical corps, which is knowing you through your career, you know, I wonder if they picked up 
on the fact that you, that you were that sort of giving person that likes to help people or if, if it was just, hey, we need numbers, you're it? Oh, I believe, look, to be honest, and this is a funny story, that I, I really sucked at first aid. Do you remember the area clear what happened? Yeah. I, I remember thinking, oh, this is just, come on, let's let's get back into the, the PT. And I guess it was more of a numbers numbers thought. So you walked over, you were like, oh, yeah, area clear, what happened, dig, whatever, yeah. put this yeah. bandage on this thing here and let's get yeah. back into the PT. Yeah. And then you spent the rest of your career <laughs> area clear, yeah. what happened, dig. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And so, yeah, so it was a, a sort of a numbers thing, but. You know, it turned out pretty well. I mean, obviously, I saw you when you were, when you were in the regiment, and I, you know, and I don't know how well revered you were as a as a medic. And it's obviously one of those things where, you know, you were good at it, and you were good at it because of your your personality. So, I mean, it makes me wonder if is it the medical call that makes a guy his personality become giving and you know sort of self sacrificing like that, or is it a was it a natural trait for you anyway? Do you think? I think it's natural. I, look, I. I I think, especially now that the regiment's developed into the, you know, the fighting force that's now world known for, I think that they wouldn't just, I think, I think any kilo that got recruited or poached, or there'd be a lot of thought process going. I, I got posted um, through a very good doctor who worked for the South African Army, mm. who rang up. Um, by the RMAs and said, "I've got a bloke up up here, and he's sort of languishing in." in the traditional army type setting and that's how they organised it. And then, as you know, like I ended up, I was getting, just as the regiment was becoming quite a, mm. you know, you got, I mean, I remember you, you and in recon and, and, and those, just those three core platoons and, yeah. and we are just making our way as best we could. Yeah. You know, so I think personality-wise you've got to be able to, you're a hard marker, you you know, you guys, you're, you're really hard markers on your support staff. And if you can't cut it work-wise but also personality-wise, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where I where I benefit. I was often included in a lot of the social activities. Yeah. I always liked the, the medics I had for me, especially when I was a platoon commander. You know, not very many of them I don't think have been very qualified to, that I can remember that actually did the whole course. But anyway, I mean, I'm sure there is. But what I liked about the medics is they were so intelligent and then they have to do everything we do, plus they had to do all this other stuff. And re- And the, I remember the research stuff that used to go on in the unit for the medics was, you know, I'm not talking about patrol medics. I'm talking about the, the core of medic guys, you know, the, the amount of stuff that they would have to do. Like I would see, like yourself, you'd be there down at the regimental aid post helping the doctor out, giving them injections one minute and then... You know, in the next half an hour, you guys would be teaching the patrol medics how to do cannulation or, you know, things like that. So, it was a pretty varied job. And then you'd be in the kill house jumping on a stack, you know, depending on who it was, you know. Like reflecting back, it's very dynamic. Really diverse, isn't it? Yeah, because I think in any part of the soldier, I think that's, I mean, you get posted as a medic. I mean, I was fortunate where I was posted, mm. but guys that would, I wonder that, you know, get the medics that get posted into an armoured you know, and just thrive on that. Mm, that's their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me it makes me wonder about, you know, you said we're quite hard markers. I often wonder if maybe we're a little bit too hard with the, you know, with the support staff sometimes to the point where, you know, you, you sort of break them over time. You don't realise it's happening, but we can talk about that a bit more in, in a moment. All right, so what was your favourite job in the in the military when you were in? 
attached to Bravo Company. Yeah, in the early days. Yeah, early days and and so, Timor. And- so before before Timor and then and then through Timor as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there in a pretty tumultuous time, really, when the when that was four hour commando. They were doing you know real small scale commando sort of training, and then and then it all got put on hold, didn't it, for for, for Timor? Yeah. And then then you came back and. You know, and then obviously September 11 happened. Tagalese. And the, the world changed. <laughs> yeah. The, um, Did you enjoy that? The development yeah. after 11? Yeah. It's very different, I think. There was, I think for the regiment role, it changed. Obviously, there was a lot of focus on Tag East and, mm. and so on. And then converting all those soldiers that were, were embedded, you know, especially Bravo and, and Charlie mm. Mm. companies who had, you know, tr- you know, had a lot of old heads. Mm. You know, they were old heads by that stage, but and big personalities, yeah. H and Smithy, and you know, these huge personalities that drove the regiment from an early age. Mm. And you're watching them converting these these young guys into some of the Cameron Baird, for example. Mm. But you know, all these these pieces. You know, and I and the main reason I saw I saw Dom Edwards. Mm. You know, you know, these big personalities, these big. Fit, dedicated soldiers. I, I saw that changing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting. Folks. Yeah, it was an interesting time. That's for sure. Obviously, Iraq in two thousand three. That was I was away on course, but you know, to watch the regiment go over and start just pushing its way. They, these were very early years compared to what's going you know, on now. What, what they see now, what you see now on Earth, mm. and you have to YouTube and just. Yeah. Or could search and find so many incidents. Yeah. What's your What's your favourite memory of, of of working in the in the regiment or in the army in general? What do you sort of look back on and go, yeah, that was good. For me personally, I, 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 it wasn't a great deal. I didn't like, you know, like we, I mean, we all get used to the mucking around and, and marble. But for me, I think it was the and this is going to say cliche, but it was the mateship. Mm. That, that I found, you know, like finding myself mm. invited to buck shows that, you know, these boys that are they're famous throughout the regiment, you know, and, mm. and they're – I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that side of it, mm. the mateship that was – I think any – I'm just trying to think what my favourite part – yeah, I'd say the mateship. But I know it's a huge, generic, massive term used, but – that was it. My, that was my favourite thing. If there's anything that sticked out, stuck out, sorry, would be I can't, I can't, I haven't got a, a a thing that stuck out for me. You know, it's just in general, just just having the guys there and yeah, that, that going to work every day and having having everyone there to hang out with and yeah, and that and that disappears, doesn't it? When you when you leave and becomes quite depressing, really, when you don't have all those guys around you, that support network that you didn't even know you were leaning on at the time, I guess. And uh, it reminds me of professional footballers that, that fall in the same, that same thing. You go from a structured life to not having that structure there. Mm. You know, living and socialising with your mates, carpooling with your mates, mm. you know, living in dirt for weeks and that type of thing and then, Heading, heading northies, you know, like we did when we were kids back then. Back in the days. Yeah, we were kids. Back when days. Colin Reeves used to own the place. Yeah. You know, 24-year-olds 20, just owning the place. You know, what about combat for you specifically or, you know, deploying in, in those sort of roles? 
They were good. No, it was good. Like I mean, obviously, the Afghanistan. I was I was been out for three years, mm. but it was very easy to switch straight back over mm. into that that structure. It became normal. Life became normal again with mm. the army. You know, PT, mm. admin for us. You know, supporting tasks, supporting training, our own training, getting ready. You know, to to take to go overseas and. You know, a hardened veteran enemy. You know, on their on their soil. Yeah, and how'd you find that? The fighting or the yeah, it was okay. Like it wasn't. It was just what you've trained for. You know, the but I mean, everything changes. Mm. Changes like one. It's a tough job as a medic as well, being attached to a commando company group, isn't it? Because you're expected to do a lot. You know, you're expected to fight and you're expected to patch up the wounded and. The wounded enemy and the wounded friendlies. It's a tough, tough gig. It was tough. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You, you know, you, you're dealing with some of the fittest guys, and you know, these they're mentally tough and they're they're ready to go. You know, and, and you got to chase them everywhere. <laughs> that's it. You know, and, and and I think a term I use was match fit. I wasn't match fit. Mm. You know, for the the rocks. You know, the ankle st- instability that you provided. You know that you walk up through in the dash, and you're walking down into the green zone to, you know, to the target that's been selected. Mm. And I found the first couple I was just so sore and tired, and, yeah. and my ankles were sore, and and I was thinking, what have I done? But it was just pure that I was soft. But that's Afghanistan, mate. I mean, I took one of the fittest platoons over there that I'd that I'd ever seen I, on par with any other platoon. Is what I mean by that. You know, in that first week, that climatization, getting used to the, getting used to those sort of packs on that ground again, traveling long distances at night on NVG. You know, you you try and replicate that on the mission rehearsal exercises in Australia, but you just can't replicate it as closely as what you can in the real thing. You know, and then being, and then guys won't say it, but, and then you add on top of that the fact that you're scared, and that that yeah. just that cr- that creates calorie deficit, that creates all sorts of you know physiological. Things in the body, yeah. I think, um, and that apprehension, you know, that IED apprehension. Yeah, and that I talk about that with a few guys, and that, and I, you know, obviously, you know, PTSD is such a personal thing, and the IEDs affected some people more than than others. I've I've found so far in the in the conversations I've had with people, some people were really affected by it. The constant in the back of their mind, where are they stepping? And others had no completely oblivious to it and couldn't give two shits, you know. But one thing that everyone says that I've talked to so far, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it, is um, that feeling before a firefight and that sense of relief when it kicks off. It's like, oh, it started. I think you're right that that it's once again, it's like the game of football, you know. You, 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 don't, you look across at these massive opposition and you're apprehensive and you don't know what's going to occur. Are these guys going to beat you up? Or, mm. But once it starts, it, it all mm. it becomes, you know. Just fall back to your training. Yeah, that's it, you know. And, and, and for me, I was, you know, you're surrounded. Like it's very different as a, as a kilo in a company group. You're surrounded by the best soldiers in the world. And, and so you, you've got faith in they're going to protect you and, yeah. you know, the bosses yeah. are back and, and yeah. there's a plan and, you know. <laughs> Mate, if you'd been in my platoon, you'd know that half the time I was looking around going, what the hell am I doing now? <laughs> yeah, don't don't put too much faith in them. Oh, but you've got to, you know, like, um, <laughs> I mean, we, we had Waco come over as, as, as it's well publicised and, and to have that 
that confidence in a leader and, yeah. and you know, control, command and control at, at, at you know, basic team level, he would, he, he brought that back. And, and yeah, that, and I won't, I won't, I won't go in, I won't mention him by name, full name or anything, because I don't want to disclose that. But obviously, the guy you're talking about, some people will know who we're talking about, most people won't. But, you know, to have a, to have a major in charge of a company who's got an innate sense of ability, like he is going to win, you know, and yeah, and that, and that's not a bad thing to have to be to be fair. And I think commandos were pretty good at making sure that their officers all were winners. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. don't want someone who's not a winner. Yeah, so that's good. I'm I'm glad that you felt that that confidence in him because he's certainly someone who who I think has he's going to be. Well, he, he was. He was very good at his job, as were most of the team commanders, actually, were the ones that I was really impressed with, I've got to say. I was, I was really impressed at the level of responsibility that the team commanders could take. And also, you know, I, perhaps I, I look back on it now and wish that I'd spent a bit more time being a bit softer with my signaler and, and my kilo, which is my medic as well, because those guys, with what you've just said then too, you know, and like I just expected them to carry a lot of weight very fast over a long distance and then be there when I needed them and if I didn't need them just to keep out out of my way while we unleash hell so yeah it's yeah I think that's a um it's something we probably don't talk about enough as a command group is about those support staff you know since point I just remember being you just did I, I guess I don't know I, I had that ability to you know make myself scarce when I need to be scarce and mm. you know especially when there was decisions to be made that didn't involve me. Yeah. Uh, my job was, you know, obviously if it was a, you know, to set up a casualty clearing post mm. uh, or I thought would be necessary and it was mostly near in the same sort of building mm. that the command group had set up their command mm. posts and, and you know, JTACs were working closely with, with, with the boss and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I think that yeah. once, you know, it, it was easy to, to find – when you'll need it or not, yeah. not when you need it. Try and, you know, start the way you can sell the amp, yeah. you know, don't talk about, you know, the weather, you yeah. know, when there's a, there's a weather bit on. But back to your team commanders, I, I do believe that uh, it was very impressive to see these team commanders with intelligence disseminated mm. down through mm. to, to the team commander, but the, here they are planning how they're going to fight their little section of fight. Yeah, mm. fight you know, that building. But, and if they lose that building or if they don't take that building, mm. that whole side maybe collapse and, mm. you know, the, the problem is facing the, you know, that classic flanking, mm. you know, movies that, that, you know, that the enemy are trying to always outdo and they, they knew exactly where they were going. They, they've lived there their, their whole lives. They knew exactly what aqueduct, you know, led you, led to old mate's house who would then be easily grenade reach into the next compound and mm. so on and so forth. So I, I was always impressed by that. You know, I I talked to, and I, I'm not trying to belittle anyone here, and, and one of the things that always surprises me is when I talk to infantry guys about how much fighting we were doing and they just, they just can't, they don't believe it. They don't see the fact that we're out there fighting probably well, every day we're outside the wire, there'd be something. Well, I mean, that's where you guys have, um, you know, gone down history. And also, I think the Australian public, they got no idea of the, <laughs> of the, you know, the, the huge amount of combat that we've, we had done over there, you know. I mean, I heard about, I've, I, you know, and again, I'm not, my, my experiences and our unit experiences are different than other experiences, but I'd, I'd heard about 
battalions that had gone to Vietnam that didn't have a shot fired in in a year. Some of them obviously had huge battles. But, you know, we, we're talking about guys who've been on operations in Afghanistan, some of them up to eight, six to eight times, and just about every time they're outside the wire, they're in a firefight. It's hard to imagine, it's, isn't it? It is. It is. It's hard to imagine. So when did you when did you work out or what, what, what was the catalyst that made you realise there was an issue, that you were having issues? Uh, my wife brought it up. Mm. So we got married after I got back. Mm. It just worked out that way. The, the, when I um, came back into country, we had three weeks and our wedding day was in three weeks after I got back. It just turned out that way. Yeah. We'd already planned it before I knew I was deploying. Mm. And obviously everything was going well, but she would notice that I would wake up over her and just um, any slight noise, would I'd be elevated, quick to anger, that type of thing initially. Mm. And I said, oh, it's just part of, you know, decompressing, coming back through, like mm. no really thoughts of it. And then we had our little little bloke and I just got worse and worse mm. with um, quick to anger, uh, elevation, disappearing, mm. and, and that's where I'd disappeared to surf for hours on end, mm. uh, you know, feeling better. Just disengaging. Yeah, disengaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So my wife brought it up numerous times. I said, no, nah, I'll be right. You know, it'll be sweet. It'll be- yeah. You know, but then it started to get, you know, a fair bit into the, you know, this is now two years and out of out of the um, yeah. AO and, you know, like it, so that decompression should have well and truly taken over by now. Yeah. So she, and it wasn't until I said, oh, there's um, one of the gentlemen that was actually one of our bosses mm. was in the paper. And I said, oh, wow, he was a great, great leader. And he was involved with Soldier On. Mm. So Emma's being, you know, the wonderful wife she was, took that opportunity and she went behind my back because mm. I wasn't doing anything and got hold of Soldier On. Mm. We're a caseworker and we just sat up on the top of a hill just chatting. Mm. And then I thought, wow, okay, there's, you know, a few things, you know, I'm not just tired and grumpy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not tired. I'm not just due to night shift and um, mm. new baby, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. I went and had a surf camp with Soldier On, and they were brand new at the time. They, it was uh, organised down the south coast with oh. families. I remember meeting one guy from the regiment who was struggling with anger issues. He was still in, though. But And then I went surfing, and then from then I thought, you got to pull your head in and Seek yeah, seek some help, you know. Mm. So that engagement where I thought, okay, these, it's not just mm. I am having issues mm. uh, that, that aren't healthy for for my family and obviously myself at work. I was fine, you know. It wasn't any one thing that happened on deployment, was it? It was a catalyst of just constant grind of stuff too. I assume. I think it's the you know you're fighting an enemy that that has the ability to 
look like Joe the farmer mm. or, you know, Joe the veteran of, you know, that's as tough as Teak and, you know, mm. knows his backyard really well. I'm guessing, that's what I'm thinking, like that heightened level. All the time. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and for me, like, as you said, back in the early conversation was the ID threat. I, I wasn't a fan of the ID threat. You know, mm. I had these, you know, these surgery, how good, I mean, how good is the surgeons? They're just. Mm, they're amazing. Really, we don't give we don't give the engineers enough credit. We never have them, and that you know that'll come out in the future. Oh, sure, yeah. but they, you know, and they were just you know they were another group of blokes that just fitted straight into that yeah. that environment, that that group yeah. mentality. I think they enjoyed the the freedom that was shown in regiment life, and and they mm. they became adapted to it and part of the brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I think. I think it was, I mean, obviously Mick Fussell's death was, was hard on us. It was early, very early in the piece. Mm. You don't expect it. No, I really, I, yep, yeah, I really miss Mick as well. And <laughs> like not, probably not a funny story. The last time I, I saw him was not long before he deployed and I called him a ranger, something or other. And we had a bit of a joke about that. And then the next thing I'd heard was that he'd, yeah, he'd been killed. And, and, then, and then the circumstances that came out with, about that over time were you know were a little bit disappointing i guess that maybe some maybe maybe it could have been avoided depending on you know i don't want to get too deep into that because he said she said who was in charge you you know you're not there so you can't you know i can't comment too much but um obviously you know it's disappointing the way it happened and you know and then I, i met his brother a few years later who is a you know champion guy really really good bloke and you know and and obviously you know, having commando officers, I was on a course with his brother and and told him how much we respected Mick. So, I think that went down pretty well. Yeah, he was just one of those guys. You know, the mm. you know, he was just one of those guys. You know, that, that we meet throughout the service. You know, you meet through these guys that are just genuine mm. top guys. Good dude. Mm. Yeah, mm. and then fit in really well. Just great bikes, and we'll do anything for you and. You know, when you do anything for them, like, yeah, that was um, I, I guess that was one of the catalysts. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I I remember because um, I think your guys came and relieved us on that rotation. Was Mark? Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, so you you guys came and relieved us, and yeah, so I I had a little bit of a yeah in inside conversations with some of the guys that relieved us before we headed out of country, and I I felt. Yeah, I was a little bit worried for you guys, to be honest. But anyway, it it worked out the way it worked out, you know. And you went through what you what you went through, and obviously now you're dealing with what what you're dealing with. And surfing's a massive part of that, isn't it? it it's a oh, huge part. It's the it's the thing, really. Yeah, yeah. It's funny though, like I see on your Instagram and and so on, you you know, doing CrossFit and or mm. you know, function functional mm. strength or whatever you want to call it, mm. but. I mean, I've started going to the gym, and, and I'm. It's a bit different, but it's still, you know, that escape. That, that yeah, escape, and and obviously the endorphins and so on. I mean, mm. the thing about surfing, and and it brought about that show that was was put on by Channel Seven for myself about myself was the neurologist who thinks that surfing has got that extra healing ability because of the you know, and they did the. Um, Denim, the reporter's brainwave activity in yeah. both the float tank and then surfing where they mm. flatten rock out. Mm. And, you know, so, I mean, that's obviously 
being explored by neurologists and so on, but I just knew it. It just worked. You just you know? knew it. Yeah. It's like when you when you go when you go crashing out through the waves and you you duck dive under the waves, it's that, that water going over the top of you, you know. It's like it's very peaceful and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. And you met you met Kelly Slater? Yeah. They organized that. I think they organized Kelly before me for the story. They didn't know who who they're gonna use, but they they'd organized Kelly and he's had a huge part in, in the wounded warrior type. Activities over in, in the states, and do you keep in contact with him now, or uh, try to? But it's very hard. He's a very dedicated sportsman and businessman, so it's yeah. very hard. You know, I caught yeah. up with him last year at Quicksilver Pro, and mm. and it's always great to see him. But he's a very very busy man. Yeah, very, of course. Yeah. yeah. And what what would you change if you could about how you were how you were trained? You know, before those first combat experiences, what would you change if you could go back and ask for someone to do something different to help? train you better or to train you in order to be able to withstand some of that stimulus better? Do you know? I think if we had more of a – it would have been nice to have really headed back and spent a lot more time at, at, at Halsworthy, mm. you, know, mm. you know, talking to guys that have done it mm. at that stage four times, you know, passing on their – and we did have a few guys embedded. That yeah, we, you did. You know, yeah. But – but, if you reflect back, you'd- and so you're you're just you're what you're saying is that, I mean, because the commando, the commando reserve guys are well trained. There's no doubt about that, you know. And 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 they their mission rehearsal exercise was was robust. But what you're saying is you would like to have had more time doing scenarios back in back in Holesworthy specific to the job, I guess. I guess so, yeah. But past that experience that, that's or, that was really out there by then, mm. uh, but on a you know maybe even borrowing a platoon. I mean, this is just hearsay and, and, and hindsight, but that would have been fantastic to have a platoon of mm. you know guys that are you know just you know decompressed after mm. you know, after some time and to do some lessons uh, learned. You know, and I'm talking about every facet of every mm. you know. Um, how to entertain yourselves, how mm. to keep, you know, what to expect. This mm. is this is what could happen. I think that knowledge would, and I and and I'm sure you guys just pass that on. Every learning, yeah. everything you learn, something new, mm. it was passed back. Yeah. You know, whether it be over a coffee mm. at, at Cronulla Beach, or, mm. or you know, or it was a formal activity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think that we got better at doing that as the years went on for sure. Yeah, after that trip that you completed, by then I was down on the mission rehearsal exercises giving briefs to the next platoon, the next company that was coming in on my personal experiences. And then I know after I was a platoon commander there, I went up to um, Third Brigade and was a guest up there before their mission rehearsal exercise to to help pass on some of the knowledge that we had. I think the army got better and better at that, but you know what? There needed to be a lot more of a robust program in place rather than just one commanding officer going, "Hey, I'll chuck a guy your way to, you know, to give yeah. to give you a few tips." Um, yeah, like I think it's a bit like sort of like uh, for a company type activity, or mm. you know, maybe even depending. Obviously, workload would be a huge issue, and and being able to spear guys away, but even a section of, of guys that are decompressed and you know, and, and we're talking everything, you know, like um, yeah. how to access the, you know, entertainment drives and mm. what they found worked the best and 
what what was good kit to have, you know, in the vehicles and stuff, and yeah, yeah layout and, and then how to pack your gear. You're basically yeah. talking about the Warrior U mentor program. Yeah, <laughs> basically how to set a kit up to join the military. I think um, that would have been imperative. Like we had this mm. huge, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's only 50 minutes away. I, I thought that would have been great to to plus I would have been able to catch up with everyone, but. Mm. I think that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, nah, that should have definitely been done. And it is a coffee and combat podcast. So how many coffees a day do you have? What time do you start? And, oh, and where do you enjoy where do you enjoy honestly, having a brew? Honestly kick off um, when I wake up, I go down and turn the coffee machine on. Yeah. I get my, I don't know, probably three before nine. Nice. And then probably if I'm at work. I head to my favourite coffee shop, Piggies, mm. uh, near Gosford there, and mm. um, they've just got an incredible 22-bean blend that's just incredible. So mm. I'll hit that maybe twice, mm. but then in the afternoon I'm not a – I'll, I'll wean off my coffee. But. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, haven't, you haven't shied away from being involved in critical incidents and stuff, have you? No, no. No, that's the thing. I haven't – So what's your job now? Intensive care, extended care paramedic. See that? And he's a ambulance. Awesome. Yeah. And that is and that is a tough gig and thankless at times yeah. and, and probably not, you know, not far off some of the combat. <laughs> but, mate, that is a huge testament to your character is the fact that you still, you know, do something that's so natural to you, which is, you know, providing care and giving, even after you've realised that, you know, that there was a, a, a you know, a, a, an injury. Um you know, mental health injury that you're, but that you found a way to deal with yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, you have really, I guess. Oh yeah, look, I, I, um, I'm definitely not the person that, that I was two, two, three years ago. Mm. I mean, married life's good, and mm. I think you just have that normal. I think it's just normal f- family life now. There's yeah. no no loud noises that scare the hell out of me and, and knock mm. me around and elevate me or mm. that type of thing. I, I just wonder if it's you know. You know, they, the brain's a muscle and, and can repair itself. I mean, I mean, there's some guys that it may take longer. Or no, I've yeah. I've heard that I've heard before. You know that, and I mean, I'm no expert on PTSD. I, in fact, I was a huge skeptic for a long time about it. I used to get the shits when people used to mention it. You know, and then over time, I, I realised, and I'm on a continual educating journey with regards to what affects some people won't affect others, and this, that, and the other. And I think that you know you can have a varying degree of it. And you can you can rehabilitate, you know. You can you can you can absolutely rehabilitate from it. Some some people are completely non-combat effective, and they need a lot of support and help. And other people, like yourself, you know, get you know it floors you for a bit, and then you and then you you know what you've done is then you've addressed that and and are seeking help to to be better. And I think you're doing a great job, mate. Yeah, cheers. I mean, I, I, as I said, I, I fix myself through serving. I'll be plain and simple, like. You know, alcohol is a big thing in the military. Could I have turned to that? And then obviously the other, the, the recreational, so-called recreational drugs. You know, there, there's a lot of escape mm. and, and they all just lead to destruction. I mean, that's well documented. Yeah. Uh, and I just chose not to. I cho- also chose not to be medicated in the traditional sense. I just didn't want my, I wanted to fight this for myself and uh, not so much for myself. But understanding that there's an issue means yeah. you can fight it, right? Yeah, so once I understood that, like, I'm not James of old. Like, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't James of old, you know. I wasn't yeah. the guy that was surrounded by a platoon of 
commandos and I've got the floor with them as in I am telling the story and they're all listening. I became very shy. I avoided, you know, chatting to guys, chatting to um, some people, large groups. I'd go to work. One of my strengths was work. Funny thing, you know, like I saw some terrible, I've seen some terrible things since work, you know, as a paramedic, you know, and, and, and I won't go into details, but they'll be with me forever. They'll, they'll knock the hell out of anyone. Yeah. You know, these type of jobs that we get experienced to. But what my, my plan was once, okay, look, you're not James anymore. You're not James. I want old James back. Yeah. You know, I want. So yeah. I didn't he, know. He was, he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want it. I, so I thought, yeah. oh, I'm going to surf. Like after I thought, okay, this is mm. this is helping. And we and, balance and, it. And, you know, we, you know, I can remember so many times hang, hanging out with you when we were younger and in the unit back in the old days. And I, I, so I sort of know, so, you know, so I know the James you're talking about. And then, but the thing is, he's a guy who's disappearing because he's not in the brotherhood anymore and he's just disappearing off the radar and no one knows. That's the, yeah. other, that's the other thing that scares the crap out of me. wonder how many guys there are out there that are, you know, they just go over the edge and no one sees them because we, we, we're unable to maintain that that contact and relationship when you move out of the unit. And, you know, people listening to this podcast are, in, are on the Warrior U program and so they, they're looking to join the Army and what they have to understand is that mateship is one of the most important things that the Army provides. That's the, mm. Mm. you know. Yeah. I mean, you can you talk about your job stability and, and all that in the current climate, you know, the mm. world climate and, and, the, uh, and also the world climate within, mm. you know, you've got a job to do. Mm. Um and it's it is a it is a great job, especially for young guys. Like it's the best. Mm. Um, just the army in general. I tell people yeah. all the time, you know, if they don't get the choice they want, just join the army. Just get in. Yeah. Last question. It can be as heavy or as or as fun as you want it to be. Name one person, de- dead or alive, that you would go and have a coffee with right now if you could, and why? A Kelly Slater. Yeah. <laughs> without without a doubt, he it makes you feel good, right? Oh, I'm not saying that. He, I, and with the coffee, I ping his brain, his mm. brain again. You know, I had a small window of to, to, and I was, you know, spent some time with him and, and, and not people, people didn't see it in the show that, you know, that when Kelly Slater, I ran into Kelly getting a t- taco because mm. the boys were trying to get a piece to camera. So I said to Denim, take me back to the comp. I want to watch the comp. Mm. And I was walking up this side lane. I heard James. And it was Kelly, and he invited me, you know, with him mm. to to be a VIP, mm. uh, and and I got to meet all the pro surfers that I watched, and I watched pipeline with the pro surfers, and mm. then I'm, he goes, "What are you doing now?" And I said, "I'm, you know, I'm just waiting for the boys. I'll head back down the beach." He goes, "No, no, come to my place, which happens to be seriously next door to pipeline, mm. the you know the comp area." And I got to hang out with him for an hour, and you know, I was in sort of overload at this stage, mm. and he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, look, I'm going to have to." <laughs> I'm going to have to go, mate, you know. And he gave me a surfboard and... No way. Yeah. And you can see it. If you have in the background, it's up in the... Is that it there? Yeah, that's Do- Kelly's board. Doesn't get ridden? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Not after your track record this morning. Oh, Yeah. I know, I know a guy who grew up with Kelly Slater, Lewis Rivera. I'm not sure if you know Lewis or not. You, you may, you may well have met him over the years, but he he grew up with Kelly Slater, he, and he lives in Hawaii, and he's an ex Ranger warrant officer. He came over on exchange, and we were we were doing we were doing something or other. I'm not sure exactly what we were doing. We were, we were out having a few drinks. 
yeah, and, and he just got a message, random message from Kelly Slater on his phone. I was like, what the hell? I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah, because he's, I mean, he not only is, you know, his business brain as well mm. is incredible. So mm, mm. that would be definitely him. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Hey, thanks, James. I really appreciate your time today to talk about that. I know it's a, a sensitive issue in some well, regards. Yeah, I can, I can be honest to everyone out there. It's it, For me, it's not sensitive anymore. Yeah. It's a, a part of a life that's that's now been conquered and, and may return. I, I highly doubt it. Um, there's systems in place that I've put in place and, and I've learned through trial and error. And, uh, yeah, I've got no problems talking about it and, you know, getting a message out there that it's, it's repairable. And, yeah. And, uh, I did it without medications. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I mean, I have you know, I'm skeptical of people who say they they have PTSD, and then and then it takes talking to someone like yourself who I had such huge respect for in the unit to go, oh, okay, you know, I get it. You know, there's things that there's just things that happen to people that you know they that just happen behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very difficult. Everyone's everyone's journey is different, mm. and uh, you know, but there is an end. You know, if you choose, but you've got to you've got to choose to to, yeah. to correct it. You know, self pity mm. is a huge thing, and if you can get out of that, and you know, accept the help of your friends and family, you're well on the way. That's that's self pity. Yeah, and that's that that whole veteran victimization. I can't stand it because you're a veteran doesn't mean you're a victim. You know, because mm. you're a veteran means you're a fighter. So yeah, you that's need, right. to, need to be able to fight it, you know. And that's it. And 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 the support. I mean, I'm works. sure there's people a lot, lot worse off than than what you were. That are, that are probably you know that would would probably hear this and go, "Oh, that's bullshit." I mean, I know there's people who are completely non-combat effective in their day-to-day lives, you know, which is a real shame. And to them, you know, I mean, they just need they need that that professional psychiatric help. Oh, 100%. Mm. But then guys, yeah, like, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm not uh, – I don't have the – I only the answer for me. Mm. And it's not going to fit a lot of people, but right. it's it's certainly mm. – there are a lot of people that are mm. picking up surfing, and but it doesn't have to, need to be surfing. No. It, 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 it can be any activity that – Surfing's a brotherhood as well, isn't it? Oh, look, it, it's boring without, without your mates, mm. you know. I remember when I used to go with – with you guys, and we used to we used to go down to Cronulla, and yeah, and these, there was a group of us that used to go down there all the time and go boogie boarding and surfing and kayaking and stuff like that down there all the time, and I sort of look back on that and go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, well, it was yeah. probably more about being down there with your mates than actually you know catching a wave but anyway. Oh yeah, I mean that's the key. And I was the world's best boogie boarder on a Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hey, James Millis, thanks very much for your time, man. Really appreciate right. it. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.